Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We are going to talk today about something related to the area in which I live, which is the state of Virginia. However, if you live outside of Virginia, you're not going to want to miss this because it really encapsulates the problem that I've been shining a spotlight on in evangelicalism and Christianity in general for the past two years, only now it's in politics. And what do I mean by that? Well, for the past two years, I've been talking about Christians and evangelicals in particular, or people who are in evangelical organizations, who have brought in ideas like standpoint theory, which is a postmodern idea that different social locations uh, are um, better equipped to understand the realities of living in an unjust world, uh, or the Marxist theory, uh, which um, portrays uh, very um, distinct and defined groups of people and places labels like oppressor or oppressed on them based upon their social location. Uh, or um, taking the idea of social justice, which is redistributive justice, and then attaching that to the gospel in a Galatian heresy kind of way. And all the while, all these things that I've talked about over the past two years are being forwarded by people who claim to be orthodox. They'll say, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. I'm here to teach the Bible, and then they teach these Marxist principles, these postmodern principles, these critical race theory principles. And of course, we've talked about it a lot on this particular podcast. Well, this is an example that I'm about to share with you of someone running for governor in the state of Virginia who claims not to be a Christian, although he does, but more importantly, to be a conservative, a populist, MAGA, uh, America first, Trump coalition conservative. And his ads all say that. I listen to them on the radio when I'm driving around, <laughs> doing errands. Uh, I see them on Facebook when I log on to Facebook. And the intention behind the ads are to show that this gentleman, Glenn Youngkin, is on board with Donald Trump and that Donald Trump is on board with him because they have one little clip of Trump complimenting the Carlisle group, which Glenn Youngkin used to be involved with. Nothing could be further from the truth, though. And I did not know this when I first started hearing those advertisements. Based on the advertisements, you think, well, Glenn Youngkin's a great guy. Just like in evangelical circles, based on some of the advertisements that you'll see uh, for different conferences and books and uh, those kinds of things, this evangelical leader or pastor must be a great Bible-centered person. And then you find out what they actually believe. And that has happened to me with Glenn Youngkin. And all it took was an internet connection and about 30 minutes of research to discover that this is a progressive Democrat in MAGA clothing, a social justice warrior dressed up in MAGA clothing. And it, it's frankly, it's disgusting to me. I found lies and I'm going to expose some of them now. And there probably is a lot more research that could be done. In fact, I'd be curious to know, did he donate to Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Uh, during even the 2016 election. That's something to look into. Was he always a registered Republican? When did he start to register as a Republican? I don't know the answers to these questions, but I do know the answers to some other questions that, to be honest with you, are probably more important. And they relate directly to the social justice takeover of orthodoxy, uh, Christianity, evangelicalism in this country. And so uh, buckle your seatbelts, even if you're not from Virginia, this may be happening in a state near you. So Glenn Youngkin, I've entitled this a social justice warrior in MAGA clothing. 
I want to start with this. Uh, there, th this is from May 31st, 2020, and it is from the Carlisle Group, uh, which is a um, organization that the co-CEOs, uh, one of them being Glenn Youngkin, were involved with. And they shared the following message with their people and those around the world. And here's what it said. At Carlisle, there is no place for racism or discrimination of any kind. Now, remember the date. May 31st, 2020. I mean, this is, this is right after the George Floyd incident. They're reacting to it. Since the beginning of the pandemic, anti-Asian incidents have increased significantly in communities worldwide. Now, we did a podcast on this statement and basically found this to be wanting. Where is the proof for this? The proof, uh, it, it really doesn't exist. It's, uh, there's, there's little bitty incidences here and there you can try to point to and then string together to make a narrative. But there's really is, uh, most of them are lies. I mean, you, you have to do some, you have to engage in some kind of um, willful ignorance in order to make this statement. But the statement was being made at the time. Um, and of course, Glenn Youngkin is uh, putting a stamp of approval on that statement at the time. Statement continues, and as we are all witnessing in real time over the past few days, a grief and rage have erupted more visibly in the form of civil unrest throughout the United States in reaction to a number of incidents directed against African Americans, including the senseless death of George Floyd and a number of other recent incidences that are unacceptable and horrific. Making matters worse are the the dangerous forces of violence, destruction, and hatred that have no place in our society. We are all feeling sad, frustrated, angry, helpless, scared, confused. We are all trying to understand why. And we are all emphasizing with those individuals and families directly, directly impacted, but also with our colleagues globally who have to go through their day-to-day -day lives in our world where these events are reality. What we see manifesting around us is very real. This is not who we are. And we want you to know that we stand with all of you in such a difficult time. Now, how is that? How are they going to show that they stand with everyone? Well, here's what they do. And I'm not going to read for you the whole thing, but this is the, the beef, so to speak. They are building, it says, a fabric of partnerships with diversity of experiences and perspectives. There's that standpoint theory language coming in. We are global. We are multicultural. In keeping with our deep commitment to our core values, we continue to invest even more resources towards diversity and inclusion, not only at our firm, but in support of certain organizations focused on driving change in our world. Last month, Carlisle participated with Ascend and 10 other organizations that champion diverse communities to support an action agenda to address the adverse impact of the pandemic. And they talk about the money that they've given. Well, what are, what are some of the things that they're also focusing on besides the pandemic? Today, it says we are announcing a special match to support organizations that are working on, there's the word, social justice and reform of the U.S. criminal justice system. And they're going to give money to organizations listed below. What are those organizations that they're giving thousands of dollars to? The Equal Justice Initiative is one. The Southern Poverty Law Center is one. And the NAACP Legal Defense Fund is one. And they ask uh, that we all do what we can to take action to make a positive difference. And it goes on. We are united against injustice. We are better than the negative effects we are seeing around us. And this goes, and it's signed with Glenn's name. Um, 
This is an individual saying that he is part of the MAGA first, the, the, the America first MAGA agenda. He's part of the Trump coalition. He's pro second amendment and all these things. He's a conservative. And here he is forwarding social justice, giving to groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, maybe someone could say, well, he didn't personally give. Well, he wrote the letter or co-authored the letter. His name's on it. He approved of it in some way that gave and publicly gave approval uh, for giving money to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and his company certainly did. Southern Poverty Law Center, for those who don't know, is, is now, at this point, a, a radical leftist organization that tries to pigeonhole uh, organizations like um, American Family Association and, and, um, and just plain conservative Christian organizations that have a biblical understanding of what marriage is and tries to broad brush them as being similar or in the same category as Klansmen or neo-Nazis. They are, just look into them, they are a terrible organization. And I mean, they are as about as far left as you can get. And this is the man running as supposedly as a conservative for governor in Virginia. Now this information did make the news, Breitbart reported on it and said that this picture of Glenn Youngkin right there, that he gave to the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I want to read for you a spokesman for the Youngkin campaign and what they said. Virginia Repub this Virginia Republican Youngkin is totally opposed to the Southern Poverty Law Center and emphasized his Christian background. Glenn has never given a dime to the SPLC and is totally opposed to their agenda, the spokesman stated. Other people at Carlisle supported it, but Glenn never did. Glenn is a Christian and a conservative who served in his church for years, and he has donated millions of dollars to Christian charities and organizations. That's the defense. Well, he, he co-authored this letter, his name's on it, but he never gave personally to it. That, that, this is the slimy, uh, and we'll just call it what it is, the lying way that the Youngkin campaign is dealing with this. They're outright deceiving the voters of Virginia by claiming that, well, he never personally gave and he's totally opposed to them. I, I don't think someone totally opposed would put a letter like that out there, would you? But the big defense here is that he is a Christian, and a Christian would, of course, not give to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, let's look at that. Let's test that. Let's see if the charities that he is involved with, or I should say the church he's involved with, um, is in keeping with the mission of the Southern Law, Poverty Law Center, or if they are against that mission. And it, there's an easy way to tell. It only takes you a few minutes online looking up his church. And I'm going to show you some things from the church that he attends. Holy Trinity Church in um, McLean, Virginia. Uh, has posted a few things on their Instagram profile. Here, here are just some of them, and, and, it, and it progressively gets worse. I'm going to start off with this post about Ahmad Arbery. Let's gather to listen, lament, and pray together as a church, Thursday, May 14th, 2020. And it has a description. As Christians, we, we need to be all in uh, for justice. Our church uh, condemns this act of racial violence and failure in our legal system to swiftly respond to Ahmad's murder, jumping to conclusions before any trial had even taken place, jumping to conclusions before there was any um, idea that uh, any notion that this was motivated by any kind of racial hate or animus. Uh, they're going to jump ahead like the social justice warrior crowd does and just claim it is racism. Here's another one. Um, Blackout Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020, the Holy Trinity Church posted a black square and it says muted, listening, learning, lamenting. 
and learning how we can fight against this injustice and lament over the countless deaths that were in part due to our complacency. So there they are, taking the, um, almost like a corporate weaponized apology, uh, t saying that somehow their complacency led to the murder of Floyd and others uh, because, um, I, I don't know, they just didn't say anything about systemic racism. But they posted the black square. They supported the Black Lives Matter movement. Here they are again. Uh, and now, like I said, it gets worse. Here is today. As Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is laid in response, in repose at the Supreme Court, we have lowered our flag to half-mast to honor the life of a fierce champion for our country. Gender equality and the pursuit of justice. We join together with all the millions of prayers for our country and its future. Glenn Youngkin goes to a church that's for gender equality and supports Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yet, he's supposed to be the conservative Republican in this race? I think not. Um, how about this? June 19th. Juneteenth. We celebrate freedom. They post it right there. Today we join together to celebrate freedom from oppression and slavery. And I think most of us can understand that. Um, please join us, though, it says, as we continue to pray for our country and take steps of what? Of action towards equality and justice. We're not there yet. This is the social justice post-civil rights mantra. We're not there yet. What needs to happen then? What laws need to be passed? Well, the system needs to be ripped down. It needs to be deconstructed. Uh, there's more steps that need to be taken. This is the church that Glenn Youngkin goes to. It is a radical leftist church. It's not even just on the Black Lives Matter stuff. It is on the gender equality stuff. Um, I'm sure. I mean, just that statement alone signals that they believe in same-sex unions. I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if they did not. And this is supposedly the church that the campaign, the Yunkin campaign, wants to say, well, he's a faithful Christian. He's part of a church. He, of course he's opposed to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, if this is the church he's a part of. Here's some more. They promote a postmodern standpoint theory. This is directly on their website. It's one of the tabs on their website. Um, they have a whole section for racial justice. And on the front of that section is this video, Reading While Black Webinar with Esau McCauley. Now, I've talked about Esau McCauley before. Um, he is a professor at Moody, which is an evangelical, organ evangelical college. Uh, if I last checked, at least, I believe he was. And here's, um, I, I, there's a lot I could say about his book, uh, Reading the Bible While Black. It is postmodern, it is standpoint theory. But I'll just leave you with this one tweet, which I think will sort of explain better than I can his position. A question that I can't stop asking. If all translation is interpretation and, and interpretation is influenced by social location, what does it mean that most of our English Bibles were translated with very few black or other Christians of color or women involved? Now, this tweet is a provocative tweet to basically say that there's something lacking. There's something that isn't right with a translation of the Bible that does not have diversity um, represented among the translators. Um, there's some kind of knowledge that is missing. There's some kind of truth that did not perhaps make its way in because different social locations has different understandings of truth. This is postmodernism. And this is what is being promoted at the church that Yunkin attends. Now, lest someone say, well, that's just his church. He doesn't agree with all that, which I could see one of his campaign staff saying, I would like for you to check this out. This is the church's statement. It's public on their website on racial unity. 
Now I'm going to go through it, I'm going to read it, but I want you to notice the first name signed at the bottom of this statement I'm about to read. It is the name Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin signed this statement. In fact, he's the first signature on this statement. He approves of this statement. Perhaps he even was involved with crafting this statement. Here's what the statement says. Dear HTC family, the vestry has an expressed leadership responsibility for establishing, refining, communicating, and defending the mission and values of the church. Over the past months, we have been starkly reminded by many horrific and unconscionable events that racism in our country is real. Now, what were those events, I, I wonder? What, what were the events that showed them that, that convinced them that racism was real? What, were, it, were they events that the media said were racist because of uh, some kind of um, uh, social location that the, a police officer happened to be part of and the person that they were arresting or shooting or using force against happened to be part of? Or was it because there's actual proof that these incidences were racist? I think we know the answer. Anyway, it continues. We at the vestry feel compelled to express our solidarity with black people and all members of minority groups, members of our staff, our congregation, and the broader community to condemn racism in all its forms. Racism and dehumanization faced by people of color is very real, is in no way reconcilable with our Christian faith, and requires us all to take action to make positive change. I mean, this sounds like the statement that Carlisle issued, doesn't it? Racism, by definition, is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Racism is hate. Racism in our country did not end in 1865 with the end of slavery. It did not end with the civil rights legislation of 1965. It did not end with the election of a black president in 2008. We are heartbroken. We are angry. We are afraid. We are ashamed and we are confused, all because we recognize that racism has not ended. I mean, this is just pathetic. This is just pathetic. Are, are, do they feel this way about other evils uh, as well? Is, I mean, does, I'm, <laughs> this is something, though, they're not giving any specifics for. It, it's just the mantra that we hear day in and day out from the left that America is racist. There's systemic racism going on everywhere. Um, I know of people who um, feel like some white person's going to come out and, and kill them in broad daylight, and they're afraid. And, and this is not doing anyone any good. It is living in a fantasy is there racism? Of course there's racism. Of course there always will be people who hate others because of external factors and not just race. Sometimes there are other factors that are involved in that. But to say that this is a widespread problem that merits some kind of a response with anger and fear and shame and confusion uh, is just to buy into the Marxist playbook that uh, Glenn Youngkin is saying he's not part of because he's a conservative. But Again, Glenn Youngkin is being deceptive, and his campaign is being deceptive. Now let's continue with this statement Glenn Youngkin has endorsed. We at the Vestry believe that racism in all forms and degrees is sin, and contrary to the teachings of Jesus, racism and racial injustice are moral issues. Jesus commanded us to love, including our neighbors of all races. Paul is clear that we are baptized by one spirit. Um, indeed, Scripture calls for justice for the oppressed, expresses the, the, God's love for justice, and his anger at those who do not uphold it. Uh, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And it goes through some verses on this. Um, in Christ's family, there can be no division among us. You are all equal. Today, HTC must stand together to make positive change. There is not room to stand on the sidelines. Our church's racial unity journey started three years ago with critical leadership from the Racial Unity Committee. 
Interesting. Our congregation and staff members of color and a handful of others carry the burden for raising these crucial issues. We are changing that going forward as leadership action and change will be collective responsibility. So um, again, it's uh, the burden is on the members of color, it says. Uh, this You need some kind of a racial unity committee to get this process going. Um, you almost wonder, is scripture sufficient? The scriptures they just quoted even, are those sufficient to deal with it? Or do you need some kind of additional special expertise coming from someone who has a certain ethnic background in order to be able to navigate this? And then of course the question is, what are the specifics? What are the specific incidences of racism? Where do they exist at this church? And what are the remedies for it? They don't get into that. They don't get into it. It's vague, just like the other statements that we're hearing. It is just an attempt to vilify and then to um, promote some kind of diversity agenda, which um, really makes everyone who is a minority stand out like a sore thumb and probably feel awkward about who they are, or perhaps uh, in the case of the congregation and staff members of color, you know, they have a special responsibility and a special um, authority that outcomes with their skin color. And so it does the exact thing that it claims not to do. Uh, it's against segregation, it's against racism, it's against these things. And yet what it does is it actually partitions people off of other races and puts them in a different class. Indeed, it says, I'm going to go on, to fulfill HTC's mission to grow closer to God and to encourage others to do the same, the vestry and leadership want to be clear, our denouncement of racism and our commitment to take action for positive change. We invite everyone who calls uh, to our church home to join us on this journey. Um, it is a journey. They say that uh, they have a chance to build momentum. Uh, and here's the actions. Here's the specific actions that aren't really all that specific. The Racial Unity Committee will become a vestry-level committee and will provide advice and counsel to the leadership on issues of racial unity. We've asked Derek and other church leaders working with the vestry and the Racial Unity Committee to develop a comprehensive ministry approach to racial unity as a congregation, um, as a congregation-wide action. The Racial Unity Com Committee encouraged the uh, church to read, Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation by Latasha Morrison. Um, for those who don't know, I believe Latasha Morrison was the one in the last podcast who did a weaponized corporate apology at Crew. Um, and she, she is actually, she's the one that did that weaponized apology where she got all these young uh, crew staff members to admit basically their complicity in segregation and hate and all these horrible things. Uh, and to apologize for it, to lament for it. Um, this is what C.S. Lewis called a national repentance that is essentially fake. This is the kind of repentance that's not real repentance because you're apologizing for the sins of your neighbor and then no one can criticize you because it's couched in an apology. And you're not really apologizing for things you've done. You're not taking responsibility for things you've personally done. Notice the church doesn't have any examples at sites. You are only attacking this general, broad, vague notion of racism out there. And look how amazingly wonderful and great we are for tackling this. It is a virtue signal. This is a virtue signal from the man who claims to be a conservative. I go on. We ask each of you to commit your heart, join a small group, and read and study Be the Bridge and others, and join the vestry as we learn together, and we need to pray. Um, let's see. It continues. Uh, we can't stand on the sidelines on racism. Uh, we've grown into a thriving community, and um, these are challenging issues. May the peace of the Lord be with you. First name, Glenn Youngkin. This is everything that the Republicans should be fighting. 
going on at this church. This is the Marxist narrative that is being used. It's, it's really, it's a cultural Marxist narrative. It's a critical race theory narrative that is being used to divide people up, to shame, to virtue signal. It creates division. This does not create unity in the body. And this is the kind of thing the Southern Poverty Law Center engages in to a greater extent. But this church is clearly on the social justice bandwagon. Now, one last thing. I noticed uh, that if you go to the NRA website and you look to see where do people stand on the issue, uh, you have a number of people, Kirk Cox, Pete Snyder, Amanda Chase, uh, Sergio De La Pena, all Republicans running uh, have answered the questions uh, or have demonstrated some kind of a record in supporting Second Amendment rights, except Glenn Youngkin. He is the only one that has a question mark by his name. And here's what the NRA says about that. The question mark means that the candidate has refused to answer the NRA candidate questionnaire or a candidate who has made contradictory statements or taken positions that are inconsistent with the candidate's answers to the candidate questionnaire. So they're basically saying Glenn Youngkin is either a hypocrite or he refused to answer the questionnaire they sent him. Now, I know that in the state of Virginia, Second Amendment, uh, and, and actually in the state of Virginia, I forget which article it is in their constitution, it's really their state constitution, but the right to keep and bear arms uh, has been threatened in a big way. You're going to need a governor who is going to fight to protect that right. And Glenn Youngkin has a big question mark next to his name. And this, again, I want to emphasize, is a man that when I go around the community and I drive doing errands in my pickup truck, has advertisements claiming he is an America first, MAGA, pro-Trump conservative. And you would never know any of these things unless you just sat down for a few minutes with an internet connection and started doing some research. But it's, it's disturbing. And the reason I bring this up, even for those outside of Virginia, is because you need to do homework on candidates. Even if they say all the right things, they take all the right positions in the moment, um, are, is their history, is their trajectory, even their recent history in the case of, of uh, Yunkin, is it consistent with what he says he actually believes? And no, it is not. And it's not just on one, it's not one factor, it's multiple factors. How can a man go to a church like that that is so pro-social justice, postmodern, um, gender equality, all these things, and then claim to be a conservative? How can a man like that uh, encourage in a letter with his name on it donations to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and then his spokesperson said that he doesn't actually agree with that? How can a man like that um, put his own name on a statement that assumes that there's this great problem of racism that needs to be rectified by um, some kind of a diversity initiative, vague diversity initiative. Um, how can a man who claims to be this conservative uh, gun-toting, I just saw a clip from him actually before this, it's the first one on his Facebook page where he says he believes in the Second Amendment and he's a lifelong member of the NRA. How come the NRA doesn't know where he stands on these issues? Or if they do, they're contradictory in some way and they can't endorse him. He's saying he endorses the NRA. The NRA has not endorsed him. So I wanted to bring that all to you. And I think that's going to be very helpful for those, especially living in Virginia. I live in Virginia, so this is in my backyard. And, um, but I thought it, it, it was worthwhile talking about it as an example for others who live in other states to do some of your homework because the exact same play that we've had 
uh, happening in the church where these supposedly solid pastors that have preached so many good biblical things are now contradicting all those things. We're, we're seeing the same thing happen in politics. People are, like Len Youngkin, are pretending to ride, they want to ride the coattails of Donald Trump, pretending to be conservative or America first or whatever. And in reality, you peeled the onion layers back and this man is a social justice warrior, a progressive Democrat in his leanings. Um, and that's not what uh, I think Virginians who are Republican are going to want to vote, vote into office. So there's my two cents on it. I have nothing personal against the man. I've never met him. But I find just what's publicly available from his campaign and what he has endorsed on a public level to be very disturbing. And um, I find his ads to be deceitful in light of that. So I hope that was, like I said, helpful. God bless. And I do plan on having another, we'll probably talk about virtue signaling, but uh, there'll be another episode coming out later this week. God bless you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.